2: What's going on, podcast fans? Welcome to episode 94 of the Moran Analytics Podcast. Today is Friday, February 15th, 2019. I am Patrick Moran. Thanks as always for tuning in, downloading. If you haven't subscribed, please do that. Rate and review, it all helps a lot. Coming up on today's show, I'll have Buffalo Sabres writer from The Athletic, John Vogel. It'll be the second time I've had the pleasure of having John on the show. First time was way back last July, and at the time, he was literally just starting with The Athletic after leaving the Buffalo News following 16 years of being on that staff. Today, we'll talk about how his first nine months at The Athletic have gone for him. Of course, we also have plenty of Sabres chat. We go over the season through this point, why that 10-game winning streak early in the season, at least in some ways, may have been a curse. We talk about a pair of highly touted prospects that could potentially be trade bait at the deadline coming up soon, which is February 25th. That's, of course, if the Sabres decide to make a, and I'm using air quotes here, hockey trade. And John also has a pretty candid take on Phil Housley's future as head coach, depending on On how the team finishes the season. John and I are also big wrestling fans. So we indulge ourselves with a little WWE discussion. Charlotte Flair. Dean Ambrose. Daniel Bryan. We got you wrestling fans covered today. Fun talk with one of my favorite guys in the Buffalo Sports Media. I'll have that for you in just a few. Immediately after my conversation with John Vogel. I got my guy Joe back for another installment of The Running With Joe. We bring up this being the right time, the perfect time to dive into a Game of Thrones binge watching mode with the final season coming up in just 58 days. So you got 67 episodes to get through in 58 days to get ready for that final season. Eventually, we dive into some actual football talk, talking some Buffalo Bills, where we pretty much agree on nothing in regards to how this team should approach the offseason with all the resources that they have. We also do the Moranalytics Interest Meter where I run off some sports and pop culture topics and Joe rates his interest in each. We're talking Joe Flacco, James Harden, Pitchers and Catchers Reporting, Frozen 2, Journey. We cover a lot of ground. I got that for you as well. Real quick, and then we'll get started. You want to talk about time flying? Next Tuesday's show will mark exactly one year from the launch of the Moran Analytics podcast. I debuted this show on February 19th, 2018. And back then, my very first guest ever was Sal Capaccio from WGR550. I thought it would be really cool to have Sal on again to celebrate the podcast one year anniversary. I talked to him and he's down to do it. So there you go. I'll have Sal Capaccio on next Tuesday. But again, that's next week. Let's dive into today's podcast. It's a packed one. Here's my interview with John Vogel of The Athletic, followed by The Running With Joe. (laughs) All right, my guest covers the Buffalo Sabres for the athletic, still kind of getting used to saying that, and he's one of my favorite hockey writers in the biz, John Vogel. What's going on, John, how are you doing? I am doing great,
1: thanks. uh yeah, no it's uh we're almost halfway through the first season with the athletic here, and things are uh things are going great. there's nothing uh there's nothing I could ask for uh that's any better actually.
2: you know, I, I first had you on the show back in early July of last year, and at that time. Not only was it the first time that you had spoke on air about leaving the Buffalo News and joining the Athletic, but it was actually the first time you had ever done a podcast ever. That was like history, dude. We made history that day.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. No, it was a good time, which is why when you reached out, I was more than willing to come back on. Because, yeah, it was a fun time. And, yeah, it was a good good way to get started, for sure. All
2: right, we'll talk some Sabres in a minute. And then I'm going to force a little bit of WWE talk on you as well. But before that, I did want to ask you, how has been working at the athletic? When we first hooked up for this show, like I said, you literally were just starting there.
1: Yeah, um, it was. Uh, it was uh, the first right off the bat. We started off uh, in June with uh, the draft was coming up, Rasmus Dalene Mania was going on, so it was busy right from the start. Um, and then this first season has been—it's been going well been going very well it's been a little work in uh, progress just in the fact that uh, it's different from what i used to do used to do five stories a day go to the morning skate write a five things to know from the morning skate and then you do an afternoon blog and then an afternoon notebook and then right off the game right when the buzzer started then write another story uh, after you did the locker room interviews and here that's not what they want um sometimes they they tell you hey you're writing a little too much you don't have you have to take a little more time put some more uh, effort into this certain story rather than given two uh, somewhat lighter stories, go a little deeper in something else. So yeah, it's been, it's taken a little bit to get used to, to be honest, just since it's a big change from what I was doing for the first 16 years covering the Savers, but it's been, it's been great. Like I said, there's nothing, I couldn't ask for anything better.
2: Yeah, it was crazy at the time. You know, we're both wrestling fans and somehow I always find a way in life to work in a wrestling reference into everyday life. So I'm going to do that here too. It kind of felt like the Buffalo news was the WWE, and The Athletic was like the big wrestling promotion on the rise, something like uh, maybe AEW, something like that. And fans were wondering, you know, who's going to come out from behind the curtain next to join The Athletic? Now, I've gotten to know you well enough, and I have a pretty good grasp of how a lot of things work in this industry. But you have to admit, man, it was a really crazy 2018 in the Buffalo sports media, wasn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, it, it's uh, I can't imagine a bigger year for sports media uh, in Buffalo, just with all the changes. Um, our fellow friend and wrestling fan, Jopin zone, the uh, also known as Buffalo Wins, refers to us as NWO, uh, the new kid on the block. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been fun. Like I said, I my first two or uh, three seasons covering the Sabres, I did it alongside Tim Graham. Um, and those were the three best years I had covering the Sabres. It was the most fun I had. And now to be on the same team as him again is great. And then you go to each city, and one of my other best friends in the business is George Richards, who covers the Florida Panthers. He's also on the athletic. I grew up with Chris Baker. Uh, he's on the athletics. So just the, the, just the team atmosphere we have is just uh, nothing like I had before. And it's, it's like I said, it's been a lot of fun for sure.
2: After a few months in the whole shocking of who's going, where we're off stuff like that, when it came to the athletic, the Buffalo news and some other sports media outlets around, did it feel pretty good just to be able to, you know, get back down to business and do what you do best instead of constantly being pummeled with questions like, Why did you leave the Buffalo News? Why did you go to the Athletic? You know, getting your side of the story versus what their side of the story may be. You know what I mean? You got to go back and just get into what you do best, which is covering the Buffalo Sabres and covering hockey.
1: Yeah, it's been a a lot. It has been, uh, once it calmed down a little bit, it was nice to get back in the groove. And it was nice that uh, while the Athletic is new, there are a lot of people in the hockey industry who know all about it. So you'd go into a visiting room or you'd go into a, even the Buffalo room and, and see scouts or you'd see an assistant coach and they'd say, happy to happy that you moved on to there. And we, we subscribe. And uh, so, yeah, so once uh, we get, once we got back into it, uh, it's been, it's been great.
2: All right, let's get into hockey. Now, lots of Sabres. Bashing has been going on over the last few months, particularly with fans, but let's look at the silver lining here. As we take this, we're 56 games into the season and at the midpoint of February, This is a team that certainly on paper is very, very much still in a playoff race. You know, for a team that hasn't seen the playoffs in seven years, do you think that fans right now tend to be a little bit harsh towards this team?
1: Uh, The the 10-game winning streak had a lot. I mean, if this was just an up-and-down year the whole way and they were... They were two to four points out of a playoff spot. People would be happy. The fact that they were best in the league at one point, and now they're fighting just to get into the playoffs is a, is a little bit of a downer just because that, that thing went so well. But overall, I mean, you couldn't ask for more games in mid-February to late February are going to mean something. That's the first time in recent memory I remember coming out of the – uh The bye week and Eichel's first year, they had a chance to get back into the race, and then they blew a couple games in Colorado and Arizona, but before that, I mean, it's been nine years, maybe, or seven years since, seven, eight years since these games have meant anything at this time of year, so it's going to be fun down the stretch to see, just to see and cover games that mean something again.
2: I was going to ask you that. For you personally, has it been a little more fun to cover the Sabres this year, not just because... You're with the athletic now, and you know, you like you talked about it earlier. You're covering the team a little differently. You have a little more creative control over some things like that. But also because usually by this point of the year, you're writing about or at least starting to think about who you know, who the Sabres are going to trade, trade off before the deadline, and how high can this team end up in the draft lottery. You know, a lot of fans have usually checked out by now and they're studying next year's top prospects. Does it feel good to be able to, like you said, a couple years ago with the Eichel, You had that, they were still in it a little bit later in the season, but for the most part, by this time of the year, you're pretty much, at least the fans are focused on the next year already. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. It's been so nice to not have to retreat, retweet. uh, Here's the top prospect for this draft. Here's the
2: number, (laughs) who's going to be the number two pick.
1: It's been so nice to not do that. It's just uh, the, on ice at the moment. I mean, as of it's uh, for all those people who cover regular playoff teams, they don't have to worry about the draft or the combine till June. And here we were. And. December and January, worrying about who was going to be the first pick or the second pick, would they fall the fourth in the lottery? And now that's out of the that's out of mind. Um, there's no reason to think about that now. All that's going on is there big games on the ice for the time being.
2: Now you talked about that ten game winning streak earlier. You never leave the rink unhappy after you get a win and you know two points. But at least in some ways, do you feel like that ten game winning streak was a little bit of a curse because of all the expectations that it gave to fans and and maybe the team as well when in reality this team you know while improved over the last couple years they're good but they're not a great team right now but that 10 game winning streak kind of lifted those expectations maybe to a level that they're not ready to handle
1: yeah that that's a good way to put it just um yeah because even looking back at it now guys like Kyle Pozo said yeah we were winning but I noticed around midway through that 10 game winning streak, we were letting a few things slide uh, defensively and letting a few details slide uh, in our game. And those things started, they kept sliding, which was the problem. And uh, obviously they've been an up and down team since then, uh, a lot of times down. Um, So yeah, they, they got a little, I won't say too full of themselves because that's an overstatement, but uh, they did start thinking, Hey, it's easier to win than we thought it was going to be. And, that were, the reason they were winning was they were doing a lot of things right, and then as Kyle and others have said, well, they stopped doing some things right, and now they got to get back to doing those things right. And I think they, I think they can. Uh, these last three games, they have tightened up defensively. Um, there was it was it was getting really bad. I mean, it was tap in after tap in, back door, back door. Uh, goalies had no chance on most of the goals, and then these last three games. Uh, they have tightened up defensively and we've seen what they could do one goal against in a couple of the games. And if they keep doing that, then yeah, they can stay in this race and maybe get into a playoff spot.
2: Now the Sabres host the Rangers Friday night tonight for those listening right now, starting next Monday, they then play eight games in 14 nights. By the end of that, it'll be March 2nd and there'll be 65 games in. It goes without saying that these are all critical stretches right now, but what do you think is a realistic spot? the sabers have to be in at the end of that stretch when they got about 15 17 games left to legitimately still be in the hunt. Do you still think they need to be within maybe that at worst 3 or 4 points within a wild card stretch at that point.
1: Yeah, if they can stay if they can stay close to the ninth, if they're either ninth or 10th, they'll be good. Um if they fall to uh, 11th or 12th, then there's too many teams to pass in the final month there. But if they can just keep one team ahead of them in a playoff spot or be the next team waiting to jump into a playoff spot, that would be good for them. Uh, I think, I don't know, Carolina's been okay. Um, lately, they're 7-2-1 and in their last 10 games, so that's obviously a lot better. But are they a team that can continue that for the rest of the season? I don't know um Columbus uh who's right ahead of them um they're gonna probably make a couple big trades with Podrowski and Panarin and if that happens uh it's gonna have a ripple effect obviously they're gonna get some good players for those guys who will come in and probably contribute right away but it'll affect the team I mean you lose two stars it's gonna affect you um so yeah if the Sabres can stay in that ninth tenth spot through this busy stretch uh four points out or so, then yeah, then, uh, then it'll be a good, interesting uh, run to the finish in late March.
2: Now, you certainly don't expect the Buffalo Sabres to be sellers before the trade deadline, but can you see them making perhaps a quote-unquote pure hockey trade? They seem to have too many defensemen right now, at least in terms of shared numbers. And it also feels to me like Alex Nylander is a guy that If you're going to try to get decent trade value for him, you don't think he's working out. You may not want to hold on to him for much longer. I know you cover primarily the Sabres, so you don't get to see too much Rochester hockey, but this is a guy who only has eight goals and 16 assists in 42 games in the AHL. It doesn't sound very promising to me for a high first round draft pick
1: yeah that's uh it is there's a lot of expectation that he now that he's starting is officially starting his entry level contract the first two years slid because he was so young that hey this is the time he'll start really becoming that go to guy down there that first line player, and it hasn't quite happened and you would think there are teams out there that look at this guy and look at a pedigree he has and say, yeah, no, we can make him into something. There's always <laughs> there's always teams that think they can do more with guys than the team that they're currently on. So you would think him. Um, one name that uh, I know fans are gotten to know a lot through the last few years is Brendan Gooley. And the Sabres really, as you mentioned, they have a lot more defense, not only on the team, but organizationally. Uh, He's a left shot D and you already have uh, Daleen playing on the left side, pilot on the left side. Uh, Those are two young guys who aren't going anywhere for a while. So if you do want to boost the depth and get some NHL caliber players, guys who step in on the second or third line as wingers and start playing, you might look at a guy like Brendan Gooley and Alex Nylander and look at them for moving in what would be a pure hockey trade. Because yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think they go the rental route and I don't think they're pure sellers. So anything that, Jason Botterell does in the next week here is going to have to be a pure hockey thing. And that's a couple things to watch.
2: What does your gut tell you when it comes to Jeff Skinner? Do you think the Sabres get an extension done with him before that February 25th trade deadline or no?
1: Uh, I would think so. I think that might be their big trade deadline splash, just announcing a signing from everything I've heard. There have been no hiccups and talks. Um, Obviously they're not at the point where they're going to they're signing today from what I've heard, but yeah, I haven't heard anything negative, uh, about the talks going on. So I would think they can sign them. I mean, it won't be the end of the world. If, it, if they don't do it by the trade deadline, I think something will get done. Um, I think both sides are comfortable with, uh, where they're at. I mean, if you want to score goals, there's, you can't ask for much more than playing alongside Jack Eichel. So that's going to help you score goals for the rest of your career. Uh, The Sabres obviously need scoring, and Jeff Skinner provides that. So while the numbers uh, eventually I think they'll get to, and uh, yeah, I think he will get signed. I wouldn't be shocked if it's before the trade deadline, but but it'd also be fine if it goes a little past that.
2: Last Sabres question here. I know he's been a little embattled over the last few months. Actually, a lot embattled over the last few months. Though to be fair, most of that has come from angry fans. But do you think no matter how this season ends up playing out, that Phil Housley will be back for a third season as Buffalo head coach?
1: Um, I think we will have to uh, keep seeing how this thing finishes. There have been a lot of uh, interesting, to say the least, uh, lineup choices. Uh, He says he goes by results, but then if they win, he still makes a change. And um, I know that uh, there's been... A lot. I did a story, uh, it was about a month ago, about how many second and third line combinations there had been, uh, but just with the same guys. And it was, uh, I think, 24 at the time, and I'm sure it's in the 30s by now, just because he keeps shuffling the same uh, six, seven guys around. Um, part of that is Jason Bonnerell not bringing anyone in, of course, uh, to give Phil a little more choices. But yeah, he hasn't been able to find a second and third line that works. Uh, he's made some interesting D choices. Um, the one thing that, uh, raised some eyebrows the other day when Robin Leonard was in town was Phil said, uh, he was talking about Rob, someone had asked about Robin and he said, well, it's obviously good that he got his life back in order. Uh, he's winning. So he's a little more confident than the one thing he said. I just think it's the structure is to why he's better. And, uh, that could mean two things, either a Phil doesn't have the right structure on his team or the players aren't listening to him else to do that structure. So that was an interesting thing. So I, uh, I don't think there's going to be a change in Phil. It is worth watching in the last uh, month and a half here.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what, let's have a little bit of fun. You're writing about hockey. You talk about hockey all the time. You probably don't get a lot of chances to do this. So let's talk a little WWE right here. Okay. I think we all knew that Charlotte Flair would end up in that WrestleMania main event as a triple threat. Well, well, I mean, we assume that that's going to be the main event of WrestleMania anyway. What are your thoughts right now? Even if knowing or suspecting that she'd be involved in it, what are your thoughts right now on how they've gotten to this point?
1: Um, I I know that was the thing. Oh, somehow they're going to get Charlotte into it. Um, and as you mentioned, it'll probably be the main event. Uh, and it should be. I mean, Ronda Rousey, uh, Becky Lynch, two of the biggest stars in the company right now, male or female. And, just to put uh, Ronda on a on the big poster is going to c- draw a bunch of casual fans. Monday night is usually uh, when Monday Night Raw is on. That's when my wife usually catches up on her sleep because she just sits on the couch while I watch and she she naps. But whenever Rhonda comes out, she's awake and watching. And yeah, and whenever when all the fans are booing Ronda, she's like, "Why are they booing her? I like her. She's fun." So um, it isn't like Ronda bringing the casual fans, and that'll be the main event, or should be. Um, I'm curious to see if it will be a a triple threat. Um, I mean, obviously all signs point that way, but I wonder since it's Vince McMahon backing Charlotte and Triple H and Stephanie saying it was going to be other two, maybe they have a uh fake uh brawl at the top of the company for control maybe charlotte gets thrown but we'll see but i mean it has uh increased the the fever in uh leading up to it i was reading a lot of the comments when charlotte got put in and she even she even tweeted herself that uh wow i didn't know so many you didn't want me in this main event so it's going to keep people talking right up to it and uh either way uh whether it's a uh, just one-on-one or a triple threat, it will be the best match, I think, that
2: night. I, I agree, too, and she has played well into the trolls on Twitter and fans that are pissed off. I think, and this is just my theory, I think that having her in the main event is kind of uh, a reward over the last handful of years because I think we both agree this will end up being the main event on the card, you know, wrestle it's WrestleMania, and what she's done for the company over the last handful of years, you know, all the championships she's won. And then you think about all the the female things that have went on over the past few years, you know, the pay-per-view, they got the women's tag team titles, all the, the Royal Rumble, all these first, I feel like this being the first women's main event at WrestleMania, I think that's part of the reason why they want Charlotte on there. It's almost like you deserve this. This is yours too. You deserve to be a part of it. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, I know. Yeah, no, that is a good way to put it. I mean, and, and talking about casual fans, they can sell it. I'm sure they're even, uh, Fans who don't watch anymore know who Ric Flair is. So they can say, Oh, that's Charlotte Flair. That's his daughter. Um, so that might draw in more. Ca- it's all about drawing in fans for WrestleMania. Obviously diehards like us are going to watch no matter what, but if they can draw in the, the other fans, that's uh or people who haven't watched in a while, that's their main goal. And yeah, I think Charlotte could do that, but uh, it will be, I just can't wait to see it, to be honest with
2: you. You mentioned Joe earlier. He actually does a regular segment on this show with me. the running with Joe. In fact, He'll be on after you today. We talk a lot of WWE and I have a theory and I discuss it with him and I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. And it's regarding Dean Ambrose again, and this is just a theory of mine. I haven't read too much about it, but I kind of get a feeling like all these reports that Dean Ambrose is leaving the company at the end of April might be actually a work only be. And I say that because. I've never seen WWE, when somebody leaves, announce three months ahead of time that the guy's leaving and that they wish the best for him, this and that, and still continue to use him on TV in an angle. Whereas, you know, with Dean Ambrose, he's still out there, but most of the time, these guys, when their contract's up and they leave, if if WWE knows they're leaving, they yank them off TV and maybe they do house shows or something, but that's it. They don't use them on TV. They kind of let them fade a little bit into oblivion. And then wherever they resurface, You know, they resurfaced, but with Dean Ambrose, that's not the case. WWE came out and made a statement, which again, they never do things like that. And now he's on TV doing 50-50 booking with EC3. In fact, he won on Monday Night Raw this past Monday. I don't know. I just got a feeling that maybe this guy's not leaving because of the way that they publicly announced it and that maybe it's a work for something bigger down the road. Is that the case? Do you think, or do you think that I am just like severely overthinking a wrestling angle right now?
1: No, I, that uh, that is a good uh, that is a good theory, a very good one. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got uh, Renee Young obviously uh, talking about him, and it's it's fun. It's actually fun that. Uh, they bring real life into it now. Um, sure. Obviously, yeah, it's like that's one thing they never used to do, and it's fun hearing her say that. Oh, I, I know what this guy's going to do and stuff like that. I mean, it is good. Uh, I could, yeah, I mean, he's one of their. While they they move him up and down the roster, sometimes he is one of the biggest stars in the company. I would think that they they keep him, especially with the. uh, with the other rival, uh, one coming in soon. Um, I would think they would do their best to lock up the stars and the fact that they are talking about it. Yeah. I could see that being a uh, part of a storyline. As you mentioned,
2: how do you feel about AEW by the way, do you, are, are you, is that a promotion that you plan on trying to watch, trying to get into, or are you purely a WWE guy? I've always been a WWE guy. I'm not, I know this rubs a lot of pure wrestling fans the wrong way, but I've never been much of an indie guy and stuff like that. I've always been mainstream when it comes to wrestling, but I think I'm going to give a W a crack. Are you, are you going to do the same or no?
1: Uh, Jericho draws me in. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I'm also, uh, I don't watch a lot of the, uh, New Japan wrestling and whatnot. I know who the people are, but I don't uh, go out of my way to watch it. If there's a good match, I'll look it up after it happens. But, uh, yeah, I've always been the, uh, uh, the mainstream kind of guy as well. Um, so while I will look into it because of Jericho angle and whatnot, I still stick with the, stick with wwe the only, i was a wcw guy for a while just in the fact that sting when he unveiled the crow character was what really got me back into wrestling for i had been kind of out of it in my 20s there and then i saw the sting character um and that draw me drew me back in and then uh, after that i've watched since then so uh yes yeah, so, um but yeah no i'll give it a look but nothing that i'm really overly excited for or anything
2: All right, I got one more question for you, then I'll let you go. I know you got to cover Sabres practice and stuff. I think we got a fairly good snapshot of what we can expect with most of the WrestleMania matches right now at this point, at least the big ones. But one that I have no clue about right now is regarding Daniel Bryan. Assuming he's still the champ on SmackDown, and I definitely think he's going to be, where do you think WWE may go with? Who is going to face him at WrestleMania? I don't think it's going to be a main event match because they already got, like we talked about the women's main event, perhaps Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins will be the, will close the show. Although I certainly don't think that's going to be the case, but Daniel Bryan is the WWE champion and he's going to need an opponent. Who do you think that's going to end up being? i i like
1: the new daniel bryan a lot actually me he's, too uh, anti yeah he's, he's been fun he, <laughs> no matter which character he brings to the show it's always fun um i read an interesting uh tweet the other day about it um and the fact that maybe just since he is so anti-commercial that uh the new day sells everything from pancakes to cereal so maybe they get uh somehow involved and uh Get a Daniel Bryan New Day type uh, rivalry going. Uh, that would be the most interesting, I think. Uh, those are those are a lot of fun people in one show, Uh to share one stage. So that would be interesting to see.
2: Are you surprised? I lied. I actually got one more thing now because no we started talking about Daniel Bryan. <laughs> are you surprised the guy was so, You know, the biggest fan favorite around. It was hard to get more over than he was. He leaves, or he, you know, involuntarily leaves because of the injury. He comes back and he's transformed himself into a heel. That is so hateable right now. It's He's done some incredible work on the mic to become the heel that he is right now. I, a couple of years ago, I never in my life would have imagined that he could be such a great heel. Are you surprised by how well that's worked out for him? A um, uh, little bit,
1: but he he does just bring, he brings it. I mean, just plain and simple. He brings it. The height of the uh, yes movement. I think that was in wrestling terms, that was as big as WrestleMania. I mean, not uh, Hulkamania. I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, that was just a big thing. The Yes Movement <laughs> and how popular it was, and how much, how crazy the fans were going for him. It was so much fun to see. And the, I think he likes to challenge himself. He's uh, he seems like a smart, interesting guy. And uh, the fact that he can do uh, both uh, both face and heel is is fun to watch. And I think he has fun doing it, which makes it even better.
2: Yeah, I agree. All right, everyone, follow John on Twitter at Buffalo Vogel. And, of course, be sure to pick up a subscription to The Athletic, where you get access not only to all the great local stuff for Buffalo, but also a slew of some of the best national writers in the business. Thanks, as always, John. This was fun.
1: This was a great time. Thanks.
2: All right, so last week I ended with a little bit of a diss on you, Joe, because you didn't know, at least right off the bat, you didn't know the words, the centerfold. But I'll tell you what, this week I got some music to your ears, dude, because sometime in the next handful of days, I'm going to start my Game of Thrones binge. I know you yes. got to be pumped about that show, exactly. I, I just looked at a thing as we're getting ready to tape here. 58 days. That's all there is between now and the final season, which starts April 14th. That means I got to watch 67 episodes over 58 days. That's a pretty tall order, man. That ain't like watching The Office or Parks and Recreation, shit like that, you know, where you could fly through 10, 15, 20-minute episodes in, in just one city. You know what I mean? That's kind of a commitment to binge a show like that.
0: Well, uh, let me go back to the music, the, the centerfold take. I listened to the song afterwards, and I know that song. Okay? I, I, just, I didn't you know did. the name. I knew the beat. And I was like, oh, yeah, that beat. And then I, I turned it off. Anyway, yes. Uh, Thrones, I've, I'm, I'm actually binging them as we speak. I'm on season four. I'm like midway through season four. So I'm doing the same thing as as you're about to do. And when did the
2: last season end?
0: Oh, my God. It ended in August of 2017.
2: OK, so it's been a while. I honestly, yeah, I know that I love the show. I remember being captivated by it, but I, uh, I I forgot so much of it, which is good. You know, dude, I'm getting old and I forget shit easy, And but that makes for fun binge watching because when I watch it in a lot of ways, it's going to feel like I'm watching it for the first time because there's gonna be a lot of things that I'm not going to remember.
0: Oh, I'm totally sure. Cause you binged that show, right? You didn't, you didn't
2: watch it. Right. Like- exactly. Exactly. What I did is I binged it all the way through until the last season. What was the last season? Six, right? No, it was seven, seven, seven and a half. Okay. Basically. Seven and a half. Yeah. You're right. So the first six seasons I binge watched because I didn't watch it when they were on the last season I watched every Sunday when it was on, but the first six, yeah, I binge it all at once. So there's a lot to take in at once. Yeah. So, and it's not there's the a, easiest show in the world as as great as it is. And it is great. It's not, yeah. it's not like the office. It's not simple plot lines. You know what I mean? It's very uh, yeah. complex. So you got to pay attention and it's easy to forget shit. So there's
0: so much foreshadowing throughout that show that you'll see stuff and you'll be like, Oh yeah. Cause later, this happens, like, you know, with the Ned Stark parenting, or not Ned Stark, John Snow parenting about who his parents were. Like, in the second episode, like, Ned Stark, he asked Ned Stark, like, oh, who are my, you know, what? who's my mother? And then Ned Stark's like, when you get back, I'll tell you who your mother is. And he's like, you may not have my name, but you have my blood. You know, and that's boom, not to spoil thing, foreshadowing to what his who his parents end up being, because that's just the case. He had his blood but he really didn't have his name cuz he didn't have his name right you know what i mean so it's it's there's a lot of foreshadowing you will see throughout and the, you know the beauty of that show in a nutshell is that so many things happen that if this this tiny thing didn't happen the whole trajectory of that person's plot line would have changed like if 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 rob stark didn't get horny and it was like oh man i love this nurse kalisa girl you know, whatever her, I forgot her name was, but, uh, you know, him falling in love with that one girl and then the phrase, you know, having the wed wedding, if that didn't happen, you know, he's, he's the King of the North. He maybe takes out the entire Lannister troops back in like season three or four, like all these little things just add up to like where the entire thing just gets completely, you know, torn up, you know, blown up for the most part.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I'm looking, like I said, I'm really looking forward to watching it binging it from the start. And I would tell people listening out there, this is your probably your last chance. I mean, the last season is coming. Once that shit starts, you know how it is. That's all you're going to hear about on Twitter, on Facebook. Mm. It's going to dominate headlines. So if you are looking to binge it before the final season comes on and you want to be caught up, definitely start soon. Like I said, you got 67 episodes, just 58 days to go. And a lot of those episodes are more than just an hour. So it's a lot of viewing and a lot to take in each episode yeah. too. And since this this is
0: my segment, I will already tell everyone that the first order of business between when those shows air will be about Game of Thrones. I'm I'm telling you that right now, Pat. I will be emailing going, first thing we're talking about, Game of Thrones recap, Game of Thrones recap. I don't care if the bill's... Trade for Antonio Brown. That's down the that's down the rundown, mother, mother effort.
2: <laughs> All right. Anyway. Just so you know. Okay. Uh, so. I'm, I'm with that, man. I'm with that. Maybe even for the series finale, we'll have like an emergent pod immediately after the show or something like yes, that. Yes. 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 All right. Let's get into today's segment. Let's start talking some Buffalo Bills. That's what we usually do. Team made a couple moves this week. They re-signed Lafayette Pitts, which, eh, whatever. I got no problem with that. And then they signed offensive lineman Spencer Long to a three-year contract. Pretty significant contract too, at least at first glance. And I'm a knee-jerk reactor. You know that I was not happy with that contract whatsoever. Almost lost my mind. Again, I am a knee-jerk reactor. I tend to, I I don't let things process. When I see a move, I instantly react. Probably a weakness of mine. But anyway, I, I kind of have a right to because... I'm at a point right now, and Spencer Long, for those out there listening who don't know, is a center and a guard. Most of his career, he's actually played center. That pisses me off because I have made it very clear for, for my personal preference, I want the Bills to go out there in free agency and sign either Matt Paradis or Morse from Kansas City. What are those two guys? I want a good center here, and I was really pissed off. I talked to Joe Biscaglia on Twitter, and he kind of, you know he's much more level-headed than I am. And he kind of set it straight. He goes, you know what, let's see what the contract numbers are before we really start to react. It can mean a lot of different things and things aren't always what they appear. Sometimes an agent will make a contract look a lot better than it actually is. But anyway, you know, I think for Bill's fans, best case scenario when it comes to a guy like Spencer Long is that he becomes a guy that Ryan Groy was supposed to be a nice versatile center slash guard who could play any of those three spots as a backup, step in if needed. You know, if someone is struggling or is injured, he could come in and start. That's the best case. To me, I think the more realistic case is that he's probably going to end up being the starting right guard. He probably takes over for John Miller on the right, or maybe Wyatt Teller on the left. If he struggles and doesn't progress in year two, that would be realistic. But the worst case, dude, worst case, as this guy is the new Buffalo Bills starting center. I'm going to tell you right now, if Spencer Long is the Bills center in week one, I'm going to be pretty fucking pissed off.
0: Yeah, I think I definitely think he's starting from his salary. I mean, there's not, and you know, look, Joey's right when it comes to like, you have to know the details of a contract, but if they give someone a three-year deal, I don't think that's going to be one of those, oh, hey, we can get out of it by the, the end of training camp type deals. And this guy has been a starter. He what? started like something like 43 games. Yeah. So it's not like he I think he's actually a little bit more accomplished than Groy was because Groy never started, I don't think, until he got here, you know, until he yeah. started that half a season when Wood broke his leg. Um yeah, you know, he, he feels like he's gonna be a guard. I mean, that's what he played at, at Washington. He was mostly a guard. He I asked a guy who, who wrote for the for Washington, who used to be a blogger, and he said like he's like a versatile guy. He's nothing special. It it sounds like he's like Craig Urbic, you know what I mean? Or Jeff Hangardner, you know, something like that. Like a guy who's going to be like, okay, he's here. He shouldn't be your anchor. You know, like I'm not, they definitely need, I would like them. If they go on the offensive line, I would like them to find that, like, whether it's tackle, whether it's center, find me like that, like first round talent, whether it's, you know, I, I wouldn't say draft unless you, you go into free agency and go like, very much in the skill position first, you know, or vice versa whatever, whatever I, the bottom line is this: give me one good offensive lineman who is like really good. And then like, I don't and like the rest will filter in, you know what I mean? Like you need that anchor on the offensive line. So I don't think of him as being, if he's like the anchor on the offensive line then yeah, we're, then we're kind of SOL. Yeah. We're SOL. And I, I said this, I was looking, I was trying to like, you know, look this up with the offensive line. Like I, I'm a big believer in trying to figure out what Bean, like what Bean and McDermott want to do based on what's happened in Carolina. And I was looking up what they did in Carolina with the offensive line, and I always remember these stories about how like Camp Newton got his ass whipped like throughout his career so far because they the offensive line just didn't protect for him as much. And I noticed like you know that they have not really drafted too many guys high. On the offensive line, I saw that from 2009 to 2018, the Panthers drafted two offensive linemen within the first three rounds. That's it, and they all were in the second round, and they were guards. You know, so I, I think it kind of tells you a little bit. And now they did go into free agency and got, and got get guys. Some of the guys weren't good. I they got the blindside guy Michael, Michael Orr, who was was not very good. You know, he's not even in the league anymore. And then they got Matt Khalil. Remember him? He was the guy from Minnesota who they drafted fourth. They gave him a shitload of money, and he's not been good either. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I I bring all this up because they – I've always felt maybe with Carolina, they have not been a franchise that takes offensive line seriously. And I wonder how that's going to be with the Bills. And maybe that's what they want is they'll have maybe one okay, decent guy maybe, and that's me hoping – they might just be like screw it we're just going to put a bunch of scrap metal guys together rely on the system and we're we'll coach him up or something like that but i can tell you like carolina's offensive line has always been kind of a hindrance since cam has been there because i've always seen stories like you see highlights of cam getting his ass whipped you know and getting you know he, he his shoulder got completely messed up this year you know and he gets sacked a lot and you can maybe blame that on him obviously but you can also say maybe the offensive line hasn't been up to par.
2: I know. So, the, I know there's a million Buffalo Carolina connections, and I get it. But in this case, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think if anything, maybe they're gonna learn what not to do. I completely disagree. I think that they're going to spend very heavily resources on the draft this year on the offensive line. Let me say this too. Last year, is tough, why do you think that? Tough, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I'll get, wait, there, wait, I'll get not- there. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Last year, it's tough to really gauge what their philosophy towards the draft was going to be because it was clear as day that they were going to take a quarterback. Quarterback was the biggest need and there was there was no number two. It was quarterback and then everything else. So we knew hooker crook that they were going to take a quarterback. We also knew the fact that Preston Brown left in free agency. They didn't try to resign him and they made no effort to sign any significant linebacker free agency. We also knew that they were going to go middle linebacker early. I didn't know that they were going to trade back up into the first round, but based on how big those needs were last year. I don't really think you could gauge what their drafting style is going to be because they needed a quarterback and they needed a middle linebacker, which is the quarterback of the defense. This year, the way, when I look at free agency, and this is why, and I'm not saying, I mean, listen, we won't know this until April, but that's what my philosophy is right now. Go out and get yourself that really highly skilled veteran center that can anchor that line and maybe sign a wide receiver. I don't think they're going to, there is no number one wide receiver out there in free agency, but there's also no, no, there's a man. They're not golden. Tate don't want to come to Buffalo. There's no way he wants to come to Buffalo unless they're going to pay him way more. He's, he said on the record, he was in
0: Detroit. I know he he, was in Detroit for four years. He said
2: on the record that he wants to go to a team that if he leaves Philadelphia, that he wants to go to a team that can contend for a Super Bowl. That's not Buffalo. He's not coming to Buffalo, but there's no, and in the draft too, I don't see, especially at nine, I don't see a wide receiver that's worthy of the ninth pick. I'm starting to think more and more and more and more and more. If they go on and get a center right now in free agency, I'm telling you, don't be shocked if that ninth overall pick is an offensive tackle. I think that this is where I disagree with the Carolina thing. I think that they're going to use a lot of their draft picks this year. Not a lot, but multiple draft picks this year on the offensive line. And I would not be surprised at all if that includes that ninth overall pick.
0: Okay, wait. Let's go back to last year. So you're saying you're you're saying to me, hey, they they needed to fill the, the quarterback, the linebacker spot because Preston Brown left, Josh Allen, blah blah blah. Fine, but you know what? The, instead of st- instead of signing Star Latue or Trent Murphy, they could have went out and signed offensive linemen that were worth a damn. They knew their offensive line was going to be hideous this year. Eric Wood retired in January of last year. They could have went out and said, hey, let's go buy, let's go buy an offensive lineman I last year instead of going defensive tackle, which, no offense, I didn't go into last offseason going, man, you know what? They really need a defensive tackle. I, I just did it. I wasn't like – I wasn't fiending it. I wasn't like, oh, man, they, they need to do this. Or Trent Murphy. I wasn't like praying for – like I was fine with Jerry Hughes and I was fine with, hey, Shaq Lawson, maybe he'll come into his own. You invested a first-rounder into him. Maybe he'll do well. And they didn't – they ignored the offensive line. And again – You, you, they ignored it last year and in Carolina, they have not really, they did not, they have not developed offensive linemen there. They just haven't, they haven't even really paid for them that much and everything. And I want to talk about players like they, yes, they bring their players in from Carolina. Carolina has been known for like the last seven, eight years. Okay. They put a lot of their assets into defense, quarterback, running backs, their wide receivers have always been pretty shitty. You know, mediocre at best. Their offensive line has been mediocre at best. What do you have here right now? You have right now all of your 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 resources into the quarterback, which they picked. You have LaShawn McCoy making – they didn't cut him. He's making $8, $10 million or whatever the last, you know, two seasons. He's going to make more this year. He's going to make a lot this year. And then you go into – look at their wide receivers. Their wide receivers right now are not very good. They're going to add some guys. But I don't think it's going to be this giant overhaul. I wouldn't be shocked that they go more defense because I think that's what they like. I think they like defense. They want to build. A de- McDermott's a defensive guy, and I think that's. And I'm not saying they're not going to like sign a wide receiver or sign a tight end or sign a guard or tackle. They're going to do that. But I think when Sean McDermott sits there with Bean and they go and they view everything as equal. What do you want? Do you want that awesome edge rusher or do you want that, that awesome wide receiver? He's going to go edge rusher. Well, That's what I think.
2: Let me say this about last year. One of the problems is, and this was a, a, a bad evaluation by the staff, is I think that they thought that the guys that they had were better than what they were. John Miller had a good rookie year before he got hurt and then sucked. They thought he would be a good guard. I think that they thought Deion Dawkins in year two would be a much better left tackle. He had a lot of promise as a rookie, and I think he regressed pretty badly last year. I think they had a higher opinion of Dukas than, than, than he was worth on the field. So I think in part that was the reason. And then the other thing is I think that they sort of said, well, we got to get the quarterback, but let's punt on the offense for this year, and they spent all their resources both in free agency, and you said this, and in the draft pretty much, minus Josh Allen on the defense. They went out and they signed Star-Lotelay and they got Trent Murphy to free agency. Those were their two big free agency acquisitions. And like I said, they did take Josh Allen first, but then they went Tremaine Edmonds. They took Harrison Phillips in the third round, which, you know, in hindsight now, that was a really good pick, especially considering, you know, they probably knew that the end was coming for Kyle Williams. They got Teron Johnson in the fourth. Uh, The only real... Offensive player they took in the draft besides Josh Allen, who has any sort of future or potential future, is Wyatt Teller, the guard. I think they punted to some extent the offense last year. Don't think that's going to be the case this time around. I'm not saying they're going to ignore the defense, but I'm telling you, man, I think they're all in with the offense. And don't be surprised. I, they're, put it this way. Jordan Mills, I mean, we were going to talk about Bill's free agents in a couple of minutes, who they might keep, who they won't keep. But let's just throw this spoiler out. I don't think they want Jordan Mills back. And there's not a lot, and I don't think they want to spend nine, ten million dollars in free agency on a right tackle, but they need to have a starting right tackle from day one. So what's the best way to do that? You go out and you take the best offensive lineman in the draft at nine, who, by the way, if you look at these draft boards, and neither of us are draft experts. I mean, I'll throw that out there. But if you look at these mock drafts and these and and the draft boards right now, they're dominated by defensive linemen. So an offensive and a couple quarterbacks. So an offensive tackle, they might at nine be able to take the top tackle on the board. Definitely going to get one of the top two offensive tackles if they want one. You don't like that move?
0: I mean, it depends what they do in the free agency. If they give me one or two, if they give me two skill guys that I'm excited about, yeah, fine. I, I could I could handle the offensive tackle. If they don't and they give me Jeremy Curley or, I don't know, they name another
2: one. Bring Deontay back?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, if they give me, if they don't do enough to To make me excited, then yeah, I'm not happy. Because I told you, I I want skill guys. That's what I
2: want. I really think that they're going to work on being able to do free agency to get a center. I think they're going to get a wide receiver. I don't think it's going to be a a, a number one guy. Adam Humphreys from Tampa Bay. I've seen a lot of him down here in Florida. That would be a really good fit for them. Really good slot guy. He's kind of that Danny Amendola, Wes Welker type player. You know, I've read that he wants 8 billion a year. That's kind of steep, but you know what? You're going to have, again, we've had this, remember the last week, just a week ago, we had this conversation about Tim Graham's article. You want a guy to come to Buffalo and there's other bidders out there. You better be ready to overpay because money talks. So a guy like Adam Humphries, he might get more than what you think. You you see a a contract, you're like, oh, holy fuck, man. How's this guy getting eight and a half million from the bills? That might be what it takes, but you get that guy. He's a slot guy. He moves Zay Jones out to the outside, I'm okay with wide receiver. I'm not saying they shouldn't draft anyone, but I'm all right with that. You know, I just. What was his numbers like that guy? Do you
0: have him in front of you? What was his numbers like? I'd have to look uh, him
2: up. They were good though. uh, He had about, he had five. I I know he had five touchdowns and I know he had like 70 something catches, but you got to also understand the Tampa Bay offense was kind of a mess this year too. So what about Chris Hogan? What
0: if they go after Chris Chris Hogan? Hogan, i from
2: everything I've heard, Chris Hogan's got a shot and he really faltered Uh down the stretch of New England. Adam Humphreys had 76 catches for 816 yards and five touchdowns. He's a really good slot receiver, possession guy. He'll move the chains. I think that's a guy that would be absolutely perfect for Josh Allen. You do have to –
0: the thing about his numbers, though, and I'm like, I didn't watch Tampa Bay worth a damn, but how much was it that Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, helped him out? Oh, I'm
2: sure he did. Tampa Bay's got a lot of –
0: So he would be be coming to a situation where – again, he'd have Zayn like, come on. Like we know, like Jackson and, 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 uh, Evans are much better. Than what Everybody's
2: going to be in that boat though. When it comes, look at Tyrell Williams, look at all the weapons, the chargers have. So, you know, he's a free yeah. agent, the golden Tate of Philadelphia. They had tons of other wide receiver weapons, Elshon, Jeffrey, and et cetera. So I know, I, I agree with what you're saying and you're right, but, I mean, they're going to have to spend on somebody somewhere. I just, I would really like to see them use a very high pick on an offensive tackle. And that's probably an unpopular opinion. In fact, I'm pretty confident it is.
0: Well, look, like I said, look, if they go offensive tackle, it depends what they do in free agency. If they give me two to three skilled guys at tight end wide receiver, then I'll be happy. They can go offensive tackle. If they give me like one guy and that's it. And then I I got Jason Kroom and and uh, you know Robert Foster to, to be more I'm going to be like great I'm I'm not going to be thrilled with
2: that yeah, but whatever and, and it's insanely early to even talk about the draft because free agency is still a, literally a month away from right now we should barely even be talking about free agency right now that's still a month away the draft's too far off and you're right. maybe the bills the bills go be out we're talking and, about it <laughs> well because i'm just telling you in my world in my perfect world they go out and they get one of the two big centers in free agency they sign Adam Humphries and a couple depth guys go get your starting right tackle in the draft. Or I'm maybe you even the left tackle right, and you can move Deion Dawkins to the right or something like that. I'm
0: giving you a hot take right now. Write this down. They are not going to invest in the offensive line as much as you think they are.
2: I think you're wrong. C-
0: write I, that down. I think, Call me out how could they if they not? do. Call right. me
2: out if they do. All right, listen. All right, there's so many things I want to get to and I always get sucked into these conversations when it comes to the Bills' offensive line. They have to. This is a terrible line, dude. And it's a line that has Deion Dawkins, Wyatt Teller, and literally fucking nobody. Oh, I'm sorry. Now they got Spencer Long too. That's all they have, dude. But dude, I'm telling you, the Carolina did not have good offensive
0: linemen either. This is how they're going to do it. They they care about the defense. They care about the running game. They'll get us a tight end maybe because you know Greg Olson was there at least. So I think I, I, I think I, you're putting I don't into, think, gonna I don't think they're going to copy
2: thing. Carolina. I don't.
0: Oh, dude, they've been copying Carolina. They've been totally copying how they. They built this team. Carolina's team since Cam Newton came there, which is when Ron Rivera came there and, and McDermott. It has been a defensive-oriented team where the skilled guys aren't that great. They got a really good running back. They have always invested into their running backs, and they got the quarterback. That's exactly what the bills are right now, dude. It's exactly. Go look at their I'm go not, look at their roster. I'm go just look telling you,
2: I'm Somebody telling knows. you that I disagree with you. And I'm yeah. they're gonna spend a lot of money. On a lot of players this year, I don't. I I would be willing to bet you without having the numbers in front of me. I'll bet you Carolina never had the cap. I'll bet you Carolina never had the cap room that Buffalo has this Yeah, because they
0: signed their own. They signed guys. I don't know. Maybe. What the fuck are you going to resign
2: on the Bills? There is nobody. Uh, In fact, you know know, what? You just led me. You led me into a perfect segue right here. I'm going to name you right now. The Bills pending unrestricted free agents. I'm going to name them. You tell me if any of these guys you're bringing back: Ryan Groy, Jordan Mills, John Miller. Jordan Phillips, Tywan Jones, Deontay Thompson. That's it. Who are you bringing back from that list? I'll say Jordan Phillips. I'd bring back Jordan. None.
0: Let them all burn in hell. No, I actually, I don't know why, but like John Miller, I would maybe give him a role because he had an okay, okay rookie year and he's a third rounder. He's talented maybe, but like, yeah, I I can care less about those guys. If they, if they move on, they move on. That would be like the guy. I don't want Deontay Thompson. Like, I'm sorry. Like I know he, he was okay last year with Tyrod With Tyrod was throwing back. the freaking no one yeah like, He's gone. Like, get some wide receivers in there, goddammit.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jordan, I would bring Jordan Phillips back. I liked him. Tywan oh, Jones, yeah, you know, Tywon Jones, back. I'm I'm, I'm uh, indifferent about. I, I wouldn't be mad if they brought him back. If they bring him back, he's there to compete for a spot. He's not getting had in nothing. You could definitely say goodbye to Jordan Mills and Ryan Groy. I could tell you that for sure. John Miller, mm-hmm. eh, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I kind of feel the same way as you do. If they're going to give him... A small contract, bring him back. However, you know what? You had a hot take earlier. Here's my hot take. John Miller Go. is going to end up getting a pretty good contract somewhere. It ain't going to be Buffalo. Somebody's going to give that guy some good money.
0: You know what? He could get the same deal that uh, this the, the guy they just signed, Long got.
2: I could see that the same money.
0: Yep. Same starts. Kind of fell out of favor. Third round. I think they're both third rounders, too.
2: You know, I name those guys. That's, those are the only unrestricted free agents the Bills have. And... Yeah, because they jettisoned everyone else. Yeah, so they, and got, Logan, they, Logan, they got rid of so many guys. Yeah. Logan Thomas is the only restricted free agent. Point being, they got a lot of holes. They got a lot of people to sign. They got a lot of cap room to do it. They're not gonna, they're they're going to pay heavy attention. Your thought right now is that they're still going to spend a lot more on the defense and the offense. Is that what you're saying this offseason? I that think
0: what, it's gonna be even, 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 I don't, even, No way. I I I don't think it's gonna be like Maybe not even, I shouldn't say even, but I, I, I think there's going to be still some defensive like guys they are going to add. I think they love defense. They need a second. They need, a, I mean, they, did, who was the second cornerback? They like, he was the guy. I, I actually had no idea who this guy was until Levi like, football Wallace.
2: Football.
0: yeah, they like him. Like, was he their second corner this year after, after Vontae Davis by retired? The,
2: yeah. By the midpoint in the season. Sure. Um, but okay. Gaines, that's the only Gaines guy, well, like, Gaines originally it was Gaines and he stunk Philip Gaines. He was terrible.
0: Oh, right, right, right. So, like, and look, they, they're they going to add, they're going to, they need to add probably one more, def- one or two defensive backs, you know, and let's say, let's say, unless Wallace is going to start, I mean, maybe he does, but, you know, you need to add at least another guy. Your Kyle Williams is gone. So now you have Star, Star and then you have your boy Phillips. Yeah, they're going to uh, add the, to the defense. There's no question about that. I just think, I just, I just, I don't know, man, I just, I feel like they just love, building that defense. Um,
2: I don't disagree with you in regards. to they're going to spend at least one or two resources on their defense. And that might be the ninth pick of the draft too. Cause there's so many good defensive linemen out there. That's why I keep going to where I'm at. They're going to draft either an offensive tackle or defensive lineman at nine. I'm telling you right now, if they keep the pick anyway, I
0: could see, I could honestly see them trading down. That's why I see them. I see them trading down. I think
2: it, it would be nice. That's,
0: that would be to me the best move. Cause you have all these holes, as you said, Trade the, trade the F down. Kyler,
2: Kyler like. Murray playing football instead of baseball is a low key. Good move for the bills because that might sure. make a team like Washington. Who's picking 15th. They might want to move up. They might want that quarterback in the top 10. No, Alex Smith this year. So that might help the bills. I agree with you on that trade down. If you can. And again,
0: clear. Li- listen, I think they was, I I'm saying 60, 40 offense for when it comes to free agency and the draft. That's what I'm saying
2: right now, 60-40. Okay, we'll see. But I'm telling you now, they're signing a minimum of one big-ticket free agent offensive lineman. Big-ticket, oh not, not a scrub, not not a Spencer Long. Here. They're going to go get one of the better offensive linemen of free agency, and they're going to use— Jeff Tang Gardner's coming to, back. No, he's not, and they're going to use one of their first two picks on an offensive lineman. I guarantee Langston you that. Langston
0: Walker is coming through those doors.
2: Oh, God. Shut up, man. All right, so— I want to do the analytics interest meter. You know how it works. I'm going to throw out some topics and you're going to rate it from zero to 10. Zero meaning you don't give a shit at all. 10 meaning you're all types of interested. Maybe have a take or two after that as well. Let's start with football. The Baltimore Ravens traded quarterback Joe Flacco on Wednesday to the Denver Broncos in exchange for a fourth round pick.
0: Seven. I, I'm at a seven because I think John Elway is an idiot, you know, to get Joe Flacco. I mean, it's it's kind of the same as Case Keenum. And I, I think Elway has zero idea what he's doing. And he should thank the stars that Peyton Manning agreed to go p- play there for whatever reason. Or he would have been out of a job by now.
2: I agree. Solid take. I don't got nothing to add to that. I think you said it perfect. I'm
0: awesome. What can I say? You don't need <laughs> just leave. Go ahead. keep next, going.
2: Next topic, man. The L.A. Lakers are reeling. I heard Tim Legler on ESPN, by the way, put them on blast Wednesday, pointed out on video LeBron walking up the floor a couple times, just seems like the guys are not playing for each other. They went from being a team that many expected. They weren't, no one expected them to win a championship, but they expected them at least maybe to get to the Western Conference finals. Dude, they're probably not even going to make the playoffs.
0: I'm going to put that as a seven as well. It's interesting what's going on there because it's like you get LeBron, you got all these young guys. There it seems like they're all these young guys eventually are gonna be on the way out. I think it's kind of messed with the locker room a little bit. It's just it's just sad that like back in December when they beat Golden State on Christmas, they were like the fourth seed, and then LeBron gets hurt and just in the last two months it's just gone the shit for them.
2: All right, next topic, another NBA topic. This is kind of low-key actually because of all the LeBron LA drama and the Anthony Davis, is he gonna get traded before the deadline drama? The Knicks tank in drama, Borzingas, all that stuff. Quietly, if it's possible to do this quietly, James Harden has scored 30 or more points in 31 straight games now. Third most in NBA history. That's just incredible. And speaking of incredible, Russell Westbrook, as of Thursday night, because we're taping this before that game ends, he has a triple-double in 10 consecutive games, a modern NBA record just absolutely incredible stuff going on with those two guys.
0: I would put that as a seven, seven and a half. Cause that, get more. What's I'm more impressed with what Harden has done. I mean,
2: 31 straight games with at least 30 points. That's just crazy, bro. That's insane. That's just, ins-
0: that's insane to me. Westbrook one is cool, but it, it kind of wears a little thin on me because, because uh, Westbrook has average, he won his MVP year when he averaged a triple double. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, He's got 10 in a row, but 30 over 30 games in a row, over 30, 31, and Harden games. Is doing, 31, he's 31, and he's doing that by himself with Houston. Like Houston's like a mess. And without him, they would be dead. But I like Harden. I, look, I like the NBA. We talked about this. We need, we need more NBA stuff. You just got to let me know so I can watch it more.
2: <laughs> well, here's something you're probably not going to watch more. Next topic. Pitchers and catchers have begun reporting the teams, including the Yankees. No. Uh, man, you know, I hate preseason, so two. (laughs) All right, second last topic here. Disney's Frozen 2 is coming later this year. November 22nd. I didn't even know that that was coming, by the way. I saw a trailer just released this week. I'm fucking ecstatic for it. What about you?
0: Minus seven.
2: I've never seen Frozen. I don't care about Disney. Move on. Oh, my God. What's
0: what's Frozen even about? Like,
2: like ice. I'm not telling you. Go watch it. You're not gonna watch it. (laughs) I'm not not watching that shit. I gotta. I got Game of Thrones to binge. Speaking of watching, there. uh, Did you watch what's it called, man? Abducted in Plain Sight. It's a Netflix documentary. Well, it's, it's not a Netflix original, but it's on Netflix. A documentary. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't. Watch it. No, watch it. Okay. Trust me. You know how you told me Narcos Mexico. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to. That's a whole season. This is just a 90 minute documentary. You're going to swear at your TV, I promise you. It was like trending on Twitter. What the fuck was trending on Twitter because of this? People were watching that and saying, what the fuck? I don't want to give any spoilers away. Trust me, though. Watch it, and after you watch it, we'll definitely talk about it on this show.
0: All right. I'll I'll let you know when I watch it.
2: All right. Last topic here, then we'll get to your finisher. I'm going to drop a little bit of a musical fun fact on you. Journey's greatest hits album just spent its 550th week on the Billboard Top 200 that's only the third album to be on the charts that many different weeks. There's only been two albums to ever spend more weeks on the charts. That is Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon and Bob Marley's legend. And this is like the greatest hits greatest of journey. Hits. Yep.
0: Man, how, that's that's pretty impressive that our greatest hits would be on, would be that high. 550 weeks. Other, yeah. I don't even know like what, I, I guess they're naming journey songs. I know, don't Stop Believing. I know that. Because that was the end of Sopranos. They played that at the end when we when we think Tony died or maybe he didn't die. Uh, then the one song, The Wheels in the Sky to Keep yep, on that, Turning. Yeah, dude. There's, some.
2: The, I don't know what songs are specifically on their greatest hits album that's been charted all these Well, I was talking about years, Journey in general. But, well, yeah, so, faith, Faithfully, Separate Ways. You got Open Arms. Uh, you gotta sing said, well, come sky. on, I'm seeing touch come and squeeze. And they, I mean, it could, we can go on for quite a while, but well, you should sing them. Cause I don't know which ones they are. Yeah, I'm not going to do you... that. You should give me Why a score. You What's sing? your interest
0: level. Oh, my interest level. Oh zero. I don't give a shit. No, oh, come on. I mean, whatever. Like, good. I guess like, I'm like, I, like I said, I know <laughs> like two or three songs by journey <laughs> and they're all, they're all based on the Sopranos. Cause like I'm an encyclopedia when it comes to that show too uh there's probably other songs i just that's why you have to sing them for me because i don't remember the names i don't do singing man what you you do singing you're such a liar bro (laughs) your podcast revolves around music i I doubt you're sitting there in your car in your basement and a song comes on you're just sitting there you know bopping your head without singing you're a singer (laughs) please you're you just drink a lot and anyone who drinks a lot definitely sing
2: (laughs) what do you got for your finisher this week let's wrap up what do you got what's your finisher
0: I just want the Sabres to make the damn playoffs. Okay. And I don't care how they do it. Buy at the deadline. I'm sick and tired of relying on prospects and draft picks and hoping they're gonna be good by 2022. Like enough. Let's just get to the playoffs, please, and then save all the draft shit for when the draft actually comes. They need to I they need to make it just to help the morale of the Sabres. It's been eight years. Just get the hell in for a change. And you know, I don't they they've been hectors, you know, they've been up and down the last month. It feels like they haven't won two in a row since in regulation, since like October (laughs) or something like that, something insane. And I just want them to make the playoffs and I don't care how they make it. Just get in for once. I I don't, you gave us a taste of it with their 10 game winning streak. And maybe that was like the worst thing that happened to the fan base, but just get in, man. I just want to watch playoff hockey for once in my, for once this decade.
2: All right, that'll do it for today. Big thank you again, John Vogel from The Athletic. Talking athletic, sabers, little WWE, which is always fun. I like John, man. One of the more talented guys in the Buffalo sports media. Certainly one of the nicest. I always enjoy having an opportunity to talk with him. So thanks again, John. Thanks as well to my boy, Joe. the running with Joe. I tell you, got a little bit, I don't want to say heated, but close to heated today between me and him when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Listen, I like that. In fact, I embrace that. Me and him clearly have two different trains of thought when it comes to the Bills and how they should be spending the majority of their money and their resources on fixing this team during the offseason. Kind of like that, though. I could tell going forward that we're going to have some spirited discussions, heated discussions, whatever you want to call it. I actually... Very much look forward to that. I embrace it. Thanks again, Joe. Coming up on the show next Tuesday, really excited. It's actually the one-year anniversary of the start of the Analytics podcast. And to celebrate that, I got as my guest the guy who was my very first guest all the way back, episode one, Sal Capaccio from WGR 550, really Really looking forward to having him on. That's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. I say the same thing every single time. The benefit of being a subscriber is that when you do, new episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone or to your computer within just minutes of the release. So you get them before. Anyone else does. That's the benefit of being a subscriber. I usually have a new show every Tuesday and Friday. All you got to do, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, just whip that bad boy out, open up that Apple Podcast app, type in Maranalytics Podcast under search, take your thumb, hit the subscribe button. Literally, that's it. That's all you got to do. Don't forget to rate and review. Again, that also helps tremendously. If for whatever reason iPhones or iPads aren't your thing or you prefer to get your podcast elsewhere, you can hit us up on Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere this future award-winning podcast is found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter for updates, news, takes, podcast polls, memes, God knows what else. You could do that at pat moran tweets have a nice safe weekend enjoy it have fun talk to you guys again next tuesday one year anniversary show Sal capaccio i'll catch you on the flippity flip bye